Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. I'd like us to start from the book of Revelation, chapter 1. We'll read from verse 4. Let's start with declaring the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ again this morning. Revelation, chapter 1. All right. Now, we start from, just jump the first few words. You know where you say, John to the seven churches. Do you understand that? Yes, yeah, I just go on from grace. All right. And we'll read all the way to verse 8. All right? Yes, sir. Are you there? Yes, sir. Are you happy to do that? Yes, sir. All right. The Lord is good. You are declaring this loudly to the glory of the Lord. One, two, let's go. Grace, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he made us a kingdom. Praise to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7. He's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we worship you this morning. And Jesus, we exalt your name. Be exalted forever in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, as we go into the word of God this morning, from the Lord we receive understanding. Amen. From him we receive insight. Amen. From him we re- receive direction. Amen. The ability to walk in a manner worthy of him. Amen. To please him in our respect. Amen. Therefore, we declare as follows. One, two, let's go. And the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. He's healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And I so shall it be for you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. And very importantly, anyone paying attention to this, as the word is coming, the spirit of healing is coming with it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Remember, old age is not a disease. It's only permitted to make you wise. It's not permitted to make you weak. Therefore, every weakness that you have given the excuse for old age. Now, just say, I reject that, you know, that excuse. And if you say that, you receive strength this morning in Jesus' name. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats quickly and get into the teaching. Let's open our Bibles to the book of um, Genesis. We're going to start again from Genesis chapter chapter 1. Now, we're going to read the story of creation again. I'll start uh, from verse... um, Let's just back up to verse 24, even though we want to start from verse 26. So then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. He said, God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps 
on the ground after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In now said in verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth. And subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the sky. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. I'm going to stop reading there. So he said, rule over the fish. Please bear that in mind. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And subdue it. And rule over the fish, the birds, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What I want to quickly point out here is that the basis, the right to rule, was conferred upon man because of being made in the image of God. I hope you're getting my point. That is, the reason he was going to rule over everything is because he was made in the image of God. He said, God said, let us make man in our image and let them rule over the fish of the sea. Bear that in mind. Now also, quickly go to the book of Romans chapter 5. Now I'm going to read this. Um, if you want to read the book of Romans, eh, let me just advise you ahead. Get a simple translation. If you are reading it in King James English, I don't believe you are serious. You're not planning to understand. I typically read New American Standard. When I want to read Romans, I have to add New Living Translation, NIV, Good News, God's Word. Those things that when, when I want to have a headache, I just take my paracetamol from, from those people. <laughs> All right? Because... Um, the argument sometimes, again, just by the way, for, the, for just for Bible students, those who want to know. The problem with Romans sometimes is that Paul sometimes is not saying something. He's quoting something and he's going to argue against it. But people quote it as if Paul said this. No, he wasn't saying it. Do you understand? For example, they say, who can resist his will? He wasn't saying who can resist his will. He was saying, you will say to me, who can resist his will? It's, he now answered, what if God in his long suffering, endured the vessels of wrath. That was the answer to that argument. But let me, those who have had that confession, they know what I'm saying. Some people are just looking like, hmm, this is what, what I'm talking about. But if you've studied Romans sometimes, it can be conflicting. But let's not um, start that now. That's just by the way. So, for that reason, I'm going to quickly read Romans in New Living Translation. Romans chapter 5. Where I'm going again is verse 17. But I'll back up slightly. So as just to get a bit of context for it. I'll read in NIV, okay? He said from verse 15, But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that, that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? That is, as a result of Adam's sin, death spread to the whole of human race. So now as a result of the righteousness of God in Christ, as a result of the fact that Jesus pleased the Father, all right, we now find God's grace 
spreading in Jesus Christ to many also, those who believe, of course. And I said in verse 16, Now can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin? That is, the judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if, now notice verse 17, for if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Now, what I want to just bring out from here is that the reason why we come under condemnation, the reason why we don't have control of things around us is because of sin. I hope you're getting my point. Please let me explain this again. Because we're talking about the new man, a new man and a new world. And we are saying that when God wants to change a place, he doesn't change the place. What does he do? He changes the people. It's the people that he will change. All right? So now what I want to bring up for us here today is to understand how Christians reign in life. It's very important we understand it. Now, so in the beginning, God's plan, God's um, purpose was that Adam will have dominion over everything. All right? Adam was to have dominion over every created being on the earth. For example, viruses. You know, they didn't know about viruses then. I hope you know the viruses existed. But viruses were not allowed to put Adam on the bed and make him sick and then flood his lungs with water and then he dies. It's not allowed. Bacteria are not allowed. You know, everything you find, every organism, microbe or macroorganism, Big ones, you know, lions, cats, elephants, dogs, cows, sheep, all right? The big ones. Even the small ones, worms you can see with your eyes. And the ones you cannot see, bacteria. Everyone was created for a particular purpose. For example, the vitamin K in your body, you know where it comes from. Do you understand? Yes, it comes from bacteria in your gut. Okay? That's why God didn't allow them to circumcise babies before the eighth day. Because if you did, the babies would bleed to death. You know what he was doing? <laughs> Do you get my point? You know what he was doing? It takes a number of days for you to accumulate some vitamin K's for clotting. Again, just by the way, people buy antiseptic soap to wash, to, they say to clear the bacteria from their skin. You want to know the truth? That is a very, very silly idea. Doctors don't use those soaps. It's ignorant people that use them. You won't see a doctor go and buy all this one that has came and said that to remove bacteria from their body. Doctors don't bother. They know the truth. The mother, the soap, the better for your soul. Yeah, that is the truth. You cannot kill bacteria. Number one, you can't kill bacteria from your skin. You can't. Number two, it's not even desirable. They are there for a purpose. <laughs> I have to teach you for everything. And for those who are making it, they're angry with me right now. Now, did you hear what I said? There are two things. Number one, it's not even desirable. Number two, it's not possible. Well, I have both of them. One is not desirable, two is not possible. Now, where I'm going with all of this talk is that they're actually there for a purpose. Bacteria is, they are part of a large group of microorganisms, okay? Most of which are in the ground. But most of the bacteria around are not even on your body. You know where they are? On the ground, in the soil. And there, they cause disease, kill everybody. True of us? 
False. What do they do? They fix nitrogen. They are the reason why your plants can grow. They are, they are the roots of many of your plants. Some of you, when they were teaching you biology in secondary school, you close your ears. It's for you to understand Bible. You see, you see, it has come to you now. When they tell you about nitrobacter and all of that, you're like, I will never eat one. Don't worry. You, without them, you'll have died of hunger at the age of six. Because what will have, what will you have been eating? Now, let me say something here. That God created all of these things for the sake of man. When he said, let him rule, let him have dominion. It's not a joke. They were not created to make man sick. Just like the lion was not created to feed on the deer. That was not the original intention. Now, so when things began to scatter, the reason is simply because, or the, simply, the reason was because sin came in. Using the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, an enemy has done this. Do you follow my point? So, sin is the reason why things are upside down. Sin is the reason why it starts raining and everywhere gets flooded. There's a long way path by which that occurs, but sin is the reason. Sin is the reason why you know, the sun becomes our enemy. The climate, the weather becomes a problem for us. It is called sin. I don't mean that if you lie yesterday, it will not rain today. That's not what I'm trying to talk about. Okay? It can happen, okay? but that's not my point. There's a general principle in the air called iniquity, which has turned the forces of the earth against mankind. It was not supposed to be like that. The original intention was that man will have what? Dominion. Now, but this is what I'm, I mean, what I'm trying to remind us of. And that's the fact that that dominion was not because man looks like this, or he has 46 chromosomes in his cells, or because he has a brain bigger than that of the other animals, or because he can think, and he can plan, and he can scheme to subdue the other animals. No. The reason why man will have dominion was because dominion is part of the character of God. Do you get my point? It's part of the nature of God. So, man was supposed to be in God's image and automatically, therefore, all right, have dominion. Once it's like God, dominion comes out of you naturally. So, when God wants to give man dominion, what he does is to breathe, take a piece of himself in real time and put inside somebody. And the person will utter, son, stand still. That's Joshua. Joshua was, was issuing the command of God. I hope you're getting my point. So you find out that nature will just rearrange to execute the purpose of God for that moment. Do you get my point here? So dominion is part of God's nature. So man gets dominion the more like God he becomes. Do you get my point? Now, I've already explained. So sin scattered everything. Do you remember that? Sin scattered everything. Sin scattered everything. So how will the dominion be restored? It's simple. You kill sin and reinstitute what? Righteousness. It's a sim- Look, it's simple logic, isn't it? It's simple logic. Once, once righteousness returns, then dominion is returning. Dominion is returning. So when we're talking about people, that, now let's go back to that Romans chapter 5 again, the one we're reading. So it said, for if by the transgression of the one, 
Death reigned through the one. Much more that is than the reign of death. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Now, that's how reigning comes. It's when, the, it's when righteousness is restored. That's how man begins to reign. Now, please bear this in mind. Please, I need to explain something to us again, a kind of reminder. When you see the promises of God, last time I talked about the difference between the prophetic and what? The predictive. The prophetic is that you see God's plan, listen to this, and then you ask him, what are we to do to cooperate with the realization of this plan? That's the prophetic. So, if the prophetic can come and not come to pass. I don't want to go over all of that again. Okay, just want to quickly add something to it. The prophetic can come, you can hear it, and it does not come to pass simply because the conditions implicit in that declaration was not fulfilled. Or the conditions were not fulfilled. So people may be careless. And because of their carelessness, their complacency, the prophetic word of God does not come to pass in their lives. Whichever way. Either for blessing or the other way for judgment. For judgment, they can become very active. They are no longer complacent. They do what is necessary to kill that word. So both words can be killed. You can kill the blessing word. You can kill the judgment word. You should kill the judgment word. But you should activate the blessing word. What am I going to say about the judgment word? So, a prophet is called. His name is Jonah. And Jonah is told, now go to Nineveh and go and cry against Nineveh. And say to Nineveh, in 40 days you will be destroyed. You will be overthrown. Your kingdom will come to an end. And the enemy will come and finish you off. That's a prophetic word. But for that prophetic word to come to pass, what they needed to do, that particular word, they have done some things before that provoked it. So 40 days by the order of things to come to pass. But what did they do? They went and prayed and changed the dynamics around there. They changed the dynamics. What did they do? They went into repentance. They went into fastings and praying. And as a result, God changed his mind concerning that which he wanted to do. Do you understand that? The result was that God changed his mind. So he didn't do it. Another prophetic word came to a man one day. Now listen to this one, very important. I have to emphasize the prophetic thing again. And God said, you and your household will be priests before me forever. Is that not a prophetic word? Instead of them to go and pay attention to what that prophetic word needs to survive, to come to pass. The guy said, listen, God's word cannot fail. It cannot fail. Whatever he says, he's going to do it. So boys, enjoy yourselves. We are going to be priests forever. Eh? So they, hey, my name is Hophni. This is my brother Phineas. I want you guys to know we are the priests in Israel. And their father was saying, what is all of this? Daddy, relax. Don't be old school. This is how you do sacrifice. He said, it's not good like that. I want my meat before you boil it. I like roasted meat. He said, but the commandment to the priests that were so, ah, wait, wait, wait. I'll take it by force. Hophni had a wife. Phineas had a wife. Remember that? One of them delivered. And the name of that baby was what? Ichabod. May you not name your baby Ichabod. <laughs> Experience led to it. Yet, if some girls come and say they want to come and sweep the temple, hopefully go pursue the girl. 
And those guys were powerful. They were the judges in Israel, you must remember. There were no kings. There were no kings. So Eli was the most powerful person. His sons were judges under him. So one day God sent a prophet to go and say to them, let's read that. First Samuel. I think it's important we just get this principle of prophetic activation again. We, we should understand it. Because many times people don't understand how prophecies are activated. We talked about it last time. Okay? That man of God. Okay. If you read chapter 2, verse 27. Then the man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt? In bondage to Pharaoh's house, did I not choose them from all the tribes of Israel to be my priests, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to carry an effort before me? Did I not give to the house of your father all the fire offerings of the sons of Israel? Why do you kick at my sacrifice, please notice this, and at my offering which I have commanded in my dwelling? He was speaking to Eli, and honor your sons above me. By making yourselves fat with the choices of every offering of my people Israel. Verse 30 is actually what I want. Just I like to read in context. It said, therefore, the Lord God of Israel declares, I did indeed say that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now, the Lord declares, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor and those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Then he went ahead to pronounce curses upon the house of Eli. Now let's stop reading here. I want to just verse 30. God says, when I give a prophetic word that says you will continue as priest before me forever. What I expect you to do is to go and learn how to honor me. I hope you're getting my point. The fulfillment of that prophetic word is dependent upon you honoring me. Do you get what I'm saying? Because when they did not honor the Lord, when they began to mistreat or no, misappropriate his sacrifices, he said, now, I'm bringing forth another word. He said, the one I said before will never happen in your life. He said, far be it from me, that which I said before, that you should experience it. Why? Anytime I give you a word, there's something inside it. That's the difference between the prophetic and what? The predictive. The prophetic expects you to go and learn how to honor God. Why? Now, prophetic words give your life direction. They shape your conduct. I hope you're getting my point. They shape your conduct. For example, let us assume, if I were to come to you as a prophet and God showed me, say, you, you are going to be a billionaire in this nation, counting the U.S. dollars. You are going to be influential. You are going to... It doesn't mean go and borrow money from everybody so that when you become a billionaire, you will pay them. Do you get my point? It's not that you write the name of everybody that's not doing good to you now, so that when you become a billionaire, you put your finger back in their eyes. It's not that one day you just go to your village, look at the ego in the face, and start laughing. And the ego is, why are you laughing? Say one day, we'll know who's more powerful here. <laughs> it's not like you go to your pastor and say, Pastor, make me deacon now. Because you don't make me deacon while I'm poor. When I'm rich, you beg me to be a deacon, I will not agree. So if you behave like that, see that word of prophecy, it will hang. You'll be dying and you'll be seeing it like this. By that time, you'll be 92. You'll have lived, you heard that word at 30. You'll have lived 62 years in poverty. 
And you'll be wondering, what happened? So, no, that banking must have been a false prophet. No, I was never false. When I said that word to you, what the Spirit was saying is that, now go and go and learn how prophetic billionaires behave. What you're supposed to do is go. Go and learn what does God require of me. Why will God put billions in the hands of such a little one like myself? I hope you're getting my point. Then you remember what we talked last time. There are three keys to the release of that destiny. One, be faithful in little, be faithful in the use of money, and be faithful in that which belongs to another person. You are forbidden from looking for the money. Prophecy guides you spiritually. It's, just, it's not like, look, why did I give you a job? Come and be teaching kindergarten. Say, what did he say? Come and teach kindergarten. Say what? <laughs> you don't know who you are talking to here. I own kindergartens. Hallelujah. And do you know the school is looking at you? This one owns kindergartens? He said, ah, you, you, don't, you don't know what manner of man. I came to negotiate with you what percentage of your school you will give to me. He said, come and teach kindergarten. What God was saying is that, listen, even though you have that prophetic word, you don't have a job yet, you find that kindergarten thing, you give them a, a, a deal. I stay with you guys to handle this class for the next one year or two years. And then you'll be the first to come there, the last to go. You'll forget your billions. And the one that is set in front of you, you will do it well. After David was anointed king, he returned back to being a shepherd. He was still running errands for his father. And his brother still used to talk anyhow to him. They had the right. He didn't say, do you know you are talking to a future king? Already anointed? I'm going to have your head when I'm crowned. He never said anything like that. Do you get my point? I feel like just emphasizing, we discussed it last time, but I feel like just reminding us of it again. So prophetic words put a demand on you. So the house of Eli, if they wanted to be, if they wanted to endure as priests, Eli should have been strict with the children. Would have told them, "Mm -mm -mm -mm, no adultery here. I will sack you from being a priest. If you mishandle the the sacrifices of God, because one of the jobs priests were supposed to do was to teach. Many people don't realize that. The priest was supposed to carry the word of God in his lips, on his mouth. He was supposed to know all the law, beginning to the end. They were not supposed to be idle people. They were supposed to hold classes. They were supposed to be counselors. They are not just to be slaughtering animals and sprinkling blood. In between that, you are supposed to come and ask them, what does the law require of us when things like this happen? So these boys were supposed to go to class and read and learn and become scholars in the matters of the law. And they will handle the sacrifice of God appropriately. If they did that, they will have been priests forever until Jesus Christ will come. Do you get my point? Why am I saying so? Many Christians, now everything I've said is to come to the reigning thing. Many Christians today, they believe in this reigning gospel. Do you get my point? When I say, I don't mean the gospel is reigning now. I mean like the concept of reigning as believers. I see, I read the books, I see the teachings. But it shocks me that many people who teach those things don't emphasize the role of righteous living. They don't understand. It will never happen. See, that's what I'm trying to emphasize. 
When he says, you will reign in life, you go and see that what is required of kings. So you now hear things like, kings don't drink in the morning. I want to talk about drink. It means that they don't drink alcohol so as to confuse themselves. Do you understand? And not only alcohol. For example, kings don't watch football in the morning. They don't start the day on Facebook. Do you get the concept? Anything that will intoxicate, they don't get involved in. It's not just physical alcohol. Anything that stimulates the body. They are careful. Too much food. No. They don't feast in the mornings. Any feasting is done in the evening. You see, there are things that are required of kings. They must learn to reign in righteousness. So one major thing they will do is go and learn what is righteousness. So they are supposed to spend their energy learning righteousness. Not learning. <laughs> we, are, we are reigning. We are kings. We are kings. Kings, I, I see, you know, if God allows me, they say, I, I preach somewhere, today's what? Saturday, last week Sunday in the evening. There's a fellowship where I'm the chaplain. So I preached last um, Sunday. When I finished preaching, at the end, my wife came to me. I said, this is new. I said, my sister, I'm sorry, see my sister and my wife, which is both of them. <laughs> Sarah and Abraham. <laughs> you know, Abraham's marriage was prophetic. He married his sister. I don't know what we are doing these days. Ah, if you don't marry your sister, you are going to have problems. Anybody you marry must be your sister in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Yeah, that's what Abraham did. Just to teach us the right thing to do. Amen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so my wife came to me. And I said, my wife, that's why I see her. She said, this is new. I said, to me too. Because she had never, she had helped me preach for 20 something years. More than, we, we married 23 years ago. I was preaching to her for like six months before that. Okay? And that's one way I got to know. Even before that, she had heard me preach. Okay? Now, so, and she had never heard this one. I meet when I came down. I said, virtue left me. I spoke purely by inspiration. There's only one problem. I went to the best was recorded. He said, ah, Pastor Banky, I forgot to press the record button. <laughs> how, he told me, he said, let me just check how far we have gone. That's when I realized that. Ah, so he recorded the last, maybe like half. I was thinking that half because the thoughts were just coming out of me. And scriptures were joining themselves. And I couldn't shout for the man because he's 20 years older than me. Yeah. The man with the keyboard. Oh, this is not a small boy. Oh, because, he, because of the way he behaves. He's not a small boy. Ah, it's a retired uh, plastic surgeon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So I couldn't shout. So I just said, okay, sir. it's the will of God, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Now, this is what I said in that message. Usually I'm referring to it. I talked about salvation past, salvation present, and salvation future. Now, that's not new. We all know that. Okay? We've been saved. We're born again. Then the future, that's the past. The future is that we have a hope. But there's something that connects the two. He that has that hope purifies himself. As he himself is also pure. Anyone, listen to this. Anyone who's not purifying himself or herself does not have salvation. See, I don't care what they want to teach. People can be saying that once you give your life to Christ one time, you're saved. It's a lie. Fat lie. It's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. I, I don't have time. I will show you scripture one after the other. Anyone that truly has a hope of eternal salvation, what is the present salvation? He's purifying himself. That is why no, nobody that's not a disciple is saved. 
This one that if you give your life to Christ, if you answer an altar call once, your, your salvation is intact. It's, a fa- it's, so, it's such a fat lie. To me, why anybody can believe it? All the believing is common sense. They don't read scripture well. If you bother to join scripture, when they say that, no, it's not possible, I say, but the Bible says that it is in, in, in the, go and read that Romans, um, Hebrews chapter 5, into chapter 6. He says, in some people's case, it is impossible to renew them unto salvation. If they could, let me not even start. Let me not start. Why would Peter say, see, some people's latter end is worse than the beginning if they were still saved? Let's leave that in. The point I'm making is this. Many people preach this raining, raining, raining thing. They don't emphasize that raining is a fallout of righteousness. You know, even if you don't shout, I'm raining, I'm raining, I'm raining. If you just walk in righteousness consistently, you will discover that you're in charge. Do you get my point? Righteousness confers authority on you. Listen, righteousness comes in two forms. Is it two stages? I don't know how to even put it, but let me just explain. I said the last time that what is the meaning of the word, not last time, one of, this, um, well, one of the previous sessions, that what is, what is the meaning of the word righteousness? It means you are accepted before the Lord. You have the right now to come into his presence. That's what it means. Okay? So it's not a result of your works. Certainly it's not. It's a result of what? Faith in the sacrifice that God provided. So if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, if you truly have held on to Jesus and are holding on to him, you can come into the presence of God anytime. Now, people don't realize, this one that you all pray anyhow, every time you just sit there in one place, just pray. Just sit down, foot of your bread, you pray. It's a privilege. Before Christ, you had to approach an altar. You had to approach a priest. Somebody had to offer sacrifices for you. Because if you just sit down there and you're just praying, why would God listen to a sinner? So you will go, a priest will offer a sacrifice. Go and read. When Job's friends finished all their discussion, God told them, go and meet Job to pray for you. They couldn't pray for themselves then. Abimelech took Abraham's wife by mistake. Abraham had to pray for him. It's Jesus that turned all of us to a kingdom of priests. So everybody in the kingdom gets at the foot of his bed and prays for himself, prays for his household, prays for anybody he wants. And people like me, I will even be telling people, why are you coming to meet for prayer? You should know that the person who loves you the most, who knows you the most, the most potent intercessor in your life. And I mean it when I'm saying it. So I tell husbands, lay hands on your wives and pray for them. I tell parents, Put your hands on your children. Pray for them. Prophesy upon them. This is not a joke. It's Jesus that made it common. I remember when we were young, when you were going back to school, my mother would put you inside the car and drive you to the pastor's house. Daddy, Frankie is going back to school. And the man will pray. So when I went to school, I began to learn the word. So when you say, come, let's go and see that. They're like, mommy, it's not necessary. Let me just go to school. I have already prayed. Because I was beginning to learn believers authority and stuff like that. And I remember what my mother would say. Adura, I won't you. You know why Reverend Yinka laughed? 
Because he knows the meaning. The rest of you didn't laugh because you don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Simply means that prayer not did too much. I know you have prayed, my son. Let's go and add in her mind, her mind more potent prayer. This one I use for small prayer. <laughs> Do you know? I grew, I married, I have kids. Doesn't cross my mind to bring my children to anybody, take my children to anybody because they are going to school. And if you notice, you say you don't also do it. I don't I can't remember anyone of you coming to my house and say, Pastor, my son is going to school next week. Um, will you pray for him? Anyway, you, if you date, I'll I'll make sure I'll make you bring a cow so that you won't come again. <laughs> now you know the culture is not there now for most of us believers. Do you get my point? Yeah, we, we look. We, we pray for each other. We do that. Some, it's your birthday. We pray for you. You know, uh, you, you just deliver. We, as a church, we dedicate your baby. It's not really like you came for a special anointing. Do you know why? It's simple, because as a priest now, because we are part of the kingdom of priests that Jesus made. We read that just now from Revelation chapter one, didn't we? Yeah, we read it. How, how did he say it again? Let's just go back there briefly, just to emphasize something. He said to him who loves us, who loved us, if you read verse 6, well, let me just start from verse 5, just to get in context. From, from Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the, of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Did you notice that? So, you know what that means? So, when your children are going to school, you will lay your hands on them by yourself. And you will pray for them, and the Father will hear you. Do you know why? Because of this. It's because of this. Listen, I pray that we'll understand what Jesus did for us. It's the reason why we don't go to any shrine to go and pray. We don't go to any priest to come and offer anything for us. The only thing we do, we'll come, we'll gather brethren, because it's an anointing. In the body of Christ. Do you get my point? Yeah. Otherwise, individually, we can offer sacrifices to God. Why? We are a kingdom of what? Priests. We are priests unto God. Why? Because of our faith in Christ Jesus. He said to him who loved us. Now, I'm trying to emphasize something here. Okay. That we shouldn't take this thing lightly. That's what Jesus did. He brought us. That's what righteousness did. Once you have faith, you cannot approach unto God. Is the reason why you can pray anyhow, anytime, and you expect to be heard. About the most potent prayer positions, I don't know about you, but my life is at the foot of my bed. At the edge, not even the foot, the side. Sometimes people travel to go and pray. Do you know why? It's to avoid distraction. Going to the mountain is not more potent than staying in the valley. When God heard Jonah, he was at the bottom of the ocean. I hope you're getting my point. He did not open his mouth. I hope you know he didn't open his mouth. Can you open your mouth? When you say, oh, there's no problem. Let me put your head inside the bucket of water. Pray there, let me see. He didn't even open his mouth. He was in the water. The prayer rose from his heart. The prayer rose from his heart and God heard. So, it is not the mountain. It's not the mountain. Is the God of the mountain, the God of the valley, the God of the flatland, the God of the bottom of the ocean. Wherever you go, you can't hide from his presence. 
So why do Christians sometimes get up and say, I'm going to the mountain? It's just to make everybody else leave you alone. And sometimes when we say he's on the mountain, we don't mean literal mountain. We just mean he has gone to pray. I used to play one trick with my friends when we were seven. I found out that any time I want to study, you know, you know, the way guys are now, NYSE, we live in the barracks, I was seven in, in the army. So I shared a particular uh, house, small house, two bedrooms with a, with a pharmacist. So you know the way guys are, just yank the door, hey, Banky, what's going on there? So many times I'm studying the scriptures. And of course, reading, as far as I can say, I'm reading, he's a Muslim. You are reading, you just open the door, you just drag chair, begin talk. So I said, okay, how do I handle my guys? It's very simple. When I want to read my Bible, I kneel down. So I was reading on my knees. So when they yanked the door open, he sprayed. They closed the door. I said, oh, <laughs> It was a trick I was using. Now, the point I'm making is that, you see, we do all of these things because the presence of God is everywhere. Going to the mountain is another trick. So we can focus. Traveling to go somewhere is just for the purpose of focus. It's not as if um, some prophets will say that, ah, please, bring your... <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. <laughs> bring your prayer points. Pastor is going to Jerusalem next week. That's what they call spiritual 419. <laughs> did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. What did I call it? Spiritual 419. Spiritual well, for those of you who are not Nigerians, and you don't understand the meaning of 419, is a section of our criminal code that deals with fraud. <laughs> so in Nigeria, when we say 419, we mean it is fraud. Usually, advance fee fraud. Obtaining by false pretenses. That's a full legal word. So when pastor says, bring your prayer, I'm going to Jerusalem. He's obtaining your offering by false pretense. I know some people are like, what did you just say? You want me to say it again? Okay, I'll say it again. Anybody telling you that I'm rushing your prayer points, I'm going to Jerusalem, is deceiving you. Number one, he probably is not even carrying it to Jerusalem. Number two, even if he were to do that, it doesn't make any difference. Americans used to be funny. You know, Americans, may the Lord have mercy of all our, on all our brethren in America and even in Nigeria. Say amen. I don't we need mercy. Amen. Okay, may God have mercy on you. Amen. And may God have mercy on me. Amen. We all need mercy. Now, these are the things we do sometimes that say we need mercy. You now see, they will now go and hold program in Jerusalem and carry the prayer points, put them on table, say, look at your prayer points. Pastor is praying on them from Jerusalem. And I used to laugh. I say, okay, okay, okay. So, some, some have been baptized, they all go to Jerusalem, they say, they want to baptize in the Jordan. So, the Ethiopian, you know, did you go to the Jordan? We have to be telling people these things because some people now, they've, they've, they've said one prophet down their neighborhood is traveling next week. So they have the offering ready. Because why would I carry your prayer point if you don't pay part of the ticket money? Are you all right? So as you are bringing your prayer point, you give your prayer money. If the offering were given in Nigeria if it was 5,000 naira, if I'm going to Jerusalem, you know the potency of that one. <laughs> that is why I call it spiritual 419. It's obtaining by false pretenses. It's wrong. Anywhere you pray from, God will hear it. If you go to the Udi Hills to pray, you know God will hear it. And the best place to pray, I have found out, there's none like it. It's my bedroom. And unfortunately, I won't let you enter. So go and create your own. And it works. I found another place the other day that works very well. 
the bathroom. <laughs> Try that one. I, I think one of the most spiritual segments of my room, in my house, is my bathroom. I don't know why. If you enter the place, there even, even evil spirits come there. The place is so spiritual. Even evil spirits, they beg for space. We have to rebuke them. They don't come again. They used to come before. I was wondering, do you see them? No. That's why to hear all the bad thoughts. That's how come I know. I enter the place. Those who can have a bathroom, I'll just freeze like this. How can my wife say that? <laughs> I don't understand. Which is she comes back today. And I'm frozen like that for the next five minutes, thinking evil thoughts. Until I cuss them. I say, hey, yes, you wide. Oh, okay. So I changed it. When I entered the place, and I can stand there and meditate and get inspiration. Then as I was walking towards the bathroom, I froze. And I had a new understanding. Yes, we'll teach it later. I'm telling you. I'm not losing. Let me tell you how I create Jerusalem. People say they're going to Jerusalem. The way I used to create Jerusalem. God bless my mother-in-law. She has gone home to be with the Lord now. Do I just carry all the children, wrap them in a um, delivery package, and ship them to her. <laughs> Once they have gone, my whole house is now in Jerusalem. You will see Angel Michael here, Gabriel here. David said, will come and visit Prophet Zephaniah, everybody. And most importantly, the Holy Spirit is a champion of them all. Quietness in the home. If your pastor is raising money to go abroad, just not saying our holiday. He's not there's nobody listening. It's holiday. Give him money if you want to give him. But don't let anybody defraud you. So bring your prayer point. We are traveling next week. So we are going on pilgrimage. Christian pilgrimage does not exist. There's Christian sightseeing. How can I? It's Christian sightseeing. We just go and see. You want to see where Jesus walked. I want to walk where he walked. That's not the one we need to. To walk where he walked, be, be ready for the sufferings of Christ. I know the one telling me that a man preached sufferings of Christ, church scatter. Said <laughs> so they come to church, the place is full, the place is full. Then one day the man got revelation from God. I want to begin to teach on the suffering of Christ. After teaching suffering of Christ for one month, he was teaching himself. <laughs> Everybody said, which kind of suffering of Christ? We came for prosperity of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is good. So the full steps, Peter made it clear to us, he suffered so that we can walk in his full steps. It's not to go and walk on the road to Bethany. That's not the issue. They go and show you where Jesus was buried. That's a lie. Nobody knows. All those things you are seeing, they were engineered to collect your dollars. Do you know, I don't want to go to Jerusalem. Do you know why I don't want to go? That's Israel. Do you know why? Because of people who listen to me. I don't mind seeing the sight. I don't mind seeing it. But if I go, many people now say, Pastor Banky, JP. <laughs> you know what I mean by JP? <laughs> no, Jerusalem pilgrim. That's what they call it now. JP. No, the reason is supposed to be justice of peace. You now say, Jerusalem pilgrim. So I don't want anybody to follow me into being lost. <laughs> if you see me in Jerusalem, now I, I just go, in fact, the one I want to go, Somebody has persuaded me. The one I want to go is Vatican. I know Pentecostal will not follow me to that one. Italy. I'm going to Rome. I don't know when, but one day I will send you a photo from there. I know you won't come. But if I go to Jerusalem, I know you will form committee. 
because you think it's pilgrimage. But if I go to Vatican now, you will not agree to follow. <laughs> the Lord is good. The point I'm making all of these things, okay, is the fact that we're able to pray from wherever simply because Jesus made it possible for us. Righteousness. The ability to approach the Father, which we obtain because of Christ Jesus. That's number one. Second level of righteousness, which is very crucial, which actually is a purpose of the first level. John said it this way. He that doeth righteously is righteous. He was not saying you are made righteous by your works. He is saying that if indeed you have been made righteous, you will do righteously. You will walk righteously. You will walk in integrity. You will walk in truth. You will walk in holiness. You will walk in faith. If indeed you have been made righteous. So that if you are not walking in that righteousness, then we doubt the former claim. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I said something earlier. He that has his hope purifies himself. As he himself is also pure. So you see, somebody who claims to be a true believer, you see, you are always getting better every day. The righteousness that God gave us by, that as a gift, which we saw here. You know, I talked about prophetic. Remember prophetic? Let me go over that prophetic thing again. So many things that God is saying to us, they're actually prophetic. The fulfillment requires many things. I've established that one is, let us make mine our image and after our likeness. I'll show you of one thing. That was also a prophetic word. What you saw was the beginning of a process. When God made man out of the dust of the earth. The, listen. Is God made out of the dust of the earth? No, answer me now. So how can that be the image of God? Jesus said clearly, God is spirit. It's not dust. So that cannot, could not have been the exact representation of God. It's not possible. We've already seen when we're talking about the reason why we worship. How do we title that worship thing? Hmm? There was a series we did that time, something, earlier this year. Something on worship. I, I think, okay, I think the worship of the true God, yes. Thank you. Worship of the true God. So if you are listening to this, please go and get the series. I explained there that that body that was formed is just the case, is a mold in which God will not develop the real image of God. So that's why you hear concerning Jesus. He's the express image of his person. At the exact representation of his nature. Was he talking about his flesh? No. Open to it now. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 3. Oh, no, let's just read verse. Okay, let's start from verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago in the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. Now, slow down at verse 2. In these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And he opposed all things by the word of his power. Let me just stop reading here. Okay? Now, the question is this. this Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Amen? Amen. And what? The exact representation of his nature. Now, this is what I'm trying to, this is what I'm trying to bring out. Was God forming Adam according to the number of heads God has? According to the number of legs God has, according to the number of arms God has, 
Let me tell you the truth. Eh? See that flesh you saw Adam. Adam carry. Hmm? I don't have a shadow of doubt in my mind about this. It was an image. That flesh was the image of the physical Jesus who will come. Jesus was not made in the image of Adam. Adam was made in the image of Christ Jesus. Do you get my point? That's a, that's a matter of fact. But it was not that body they were formed. You can see. Paul said it to us like this. Henceforth, we know, we know no man after the flesh. He said this. Even if we had known Christ after the flesh, he said, henceforth, we know him thus no longer. That is, the emphasis is not the body. The emphasis is the person that lives inside the body. I hope this is your body you are carrying. You know it's not you. You know it's not you. You know it's your cloth. It's what is called your earth suit. If you are going to space, if I carry it like this and drop you on the moon, I can't even succeed in doing that. Before we reach there, you will have frozen to block. It's very cold. There's no oxygen. Your lungs will burst. And if you mistakenly say, let me pick something, you float into outer space eternally. Don't be jumping anyhow when you're in space. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but to go into space, people do that every day. They always have a suit. They get into the suit, it's pressurized. Do you follow? It's heated. It's designed to keep them warm. It has oxygen inside it. That is, they take a bit of earth everywhere they go. A bit of earth is inside it. So they cannot survive in space. So when you are coming down to this earth as a spiritual being, do you follow? God had to also give you an earth suit. He had to give you an earth suit. And after a while, he will change it. You know that? You are going to have a resurrection body. Yeah, you are going to have. You are not going to live with this body forever. At that time, you will still recognize people that you used to know. This is the funny part. Hey, let me give you some deep spiritual truths. Hmm? You don't recognize them by the shape of their nose or the color of their lips or their hair. How do you recognize them? I don't know too, but you will. It's a spiritual recognition. It's a spiritual recognition. The recognition is spiritual. What happens is that you just come near the person, ah, that without turning, oh, that's John. That's John. The point I'm going to emphasize, okay, is that this body, you will change it one day. So this is not the image of God that God is talking about. It's not. When he talked about Jesus Christ, and he said it's the exact representation of the nature of the Father. That is the image that God was making in the beginning. Adam was to inhabit that body and have that image developed in him. As that image is developed, it walks into dominion. I hope you're getting my point here. Dominion is a result of that development. And that's what Christians must understand. We're talking about that prophetic. So when God speaks a word at the beginning, let us make man in our image. And he's saying, in the image of God, he made him. Male and female, he created them. He's already told you two things now. In the image of God, he made the man. That is, spiritually, God was seeing where they were going. But like I said earlier, man truncated that process. Now, and it did not shock God. It didn't shock him. The preparation had been made. So now, how do we walk back into that process and accomplish it? It is through the embracing of new life to us through Christ Jesus. Last time I emphasized something here. That the problem, I'm able to connect the two now, what we are saying now and last time. 
The problem, I said last time, is that we don't give enough attention to the development of that new life. Let me emphasize this again to people. You know, you can raise a, raise a child, a human child, and he will not be much different from a monkey. Yes. He won't be able to talk. It's possible. He walk around naked, eat from dustbin and stuff like that, and not know really that he's human. All of you are looking surprised. Oh, you don't understand it. It can happen. If you take a human child, put him among baboons, they will raise that guy to be a baboon. And he will not ever talk. He will behave like a baboon. The only thing he will notice is some incapacity. Like he will definitely find it hard to swim from tree to tree. You know why? He has two hands and two feet. Those ones have four hands. They don't have feet. They walk on the hind hands, so they are designed to grab anything. But guess what? He will try. See, he will try. He, and he will ma- human beings are. If I saw one video the other day, it didn't make me laugh. They showed a man jumping from tree to tree. Very, very agile. Somebody said, that's what happens when you're infected with monkeypox. <laughs> That was the joke. But the guy, you see, the guy really tried. And this is a normal human being who just trained himself. If that boy grew up amongst baboons, hmm? amongst chimpanzees, he would, you know he looks slightly different. The only day, listen to what I want to say carefully, the only day things will start changing for him is when he sees human beings. It's when he sees human beings. Now, the, all the potentials in his soul will have been locked Talk, he will not talk. All he'll be doing, um, 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 um. that's all he'll be doing. Um, um, like everybody else. But this is somebody who could have learned Spanish, learned Greek, learned Latin, speak English, apart from the Nigerian languages which he will have known very well. Yet, the fellow will only be speaking monkey. He'll be beating his chest, judge of the jungle. That's all he'll be doing. Now, I'm explaining something here. But that, does that change the fact that that potential is in that Homo sapiens? Homo sapiens Adamus? Does it change it? Let me ask you a question. Is it possible for that kind of person to live and die like a monkey? Yes. But let us assume when he's just like 10, we go and kidnap him from amongst the monkeys and take him to a city. You know, the first few years is going to have a problem. In fact, it, now technically he's just been born. You know that. Yeah, technically he's just been born. Now we'll tell him, stop walking on all fours. You know, within a few weeks, he will straighten his back. Because he's there. He's there in him. He's in, to stand straight is in him. Within a few weeks, he'll be walking straight. Just give us two, three years on this guy. Okay, let's live two, three years. Let's go 10, 15 years down the line. He will have finished secondary school. He'll be doing mathematics. He will have learned that Spanish we're talking about. True or false? And at the age of 30, he will wear a suit. We'll give him a wife. Now he will have been a real homo sapiens adamus. Why did I say all of this? Most of these homo sapiens Christuses around are living like homo sapiens adamus because they are not training their own potential. Did you hear what I said? If you're not around last time, you won't catch it. That if you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, 
why you are like the way you are is because all your training is from old creation people. It doesn't change the fact that God planted that seed of God in you and in me. But if you don't train it, you will live your whole life and it will appear as if there is no difference between the Christian and the unbeliever. So why? You have a head, they have a head, you have physical structure, you look like. But when Jesus breathed into you the breath of new life, I am saying to you, he put a new set of potentials, which if they are not developed, we will never know they are there. Number one potential he put. Number one. Number one. Listen to this carefully. Number one potential. The ability to resist sin and walk above it. As far as God is concerned, sin in the life of a Christian is a choice. It's not pressure. Did you hear what I said? Please, I want you to follow me very well. Sin in the life of a Christian is not pressure. It's a choice. Let me know what I mean by pressure. A young girl was caught in the act of adultery and they brought her to Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What, what did he mean by that? Why didn't he condemn her? He was merciful. Well, that is true, but more like he was understanding. Why was he understanding? He said, this girl is not an adulteress. Where the adultery spirit from? The men around. So he, he wanted to prove it. He said, those of you who have never committed adultery, throw the first stone. Now, please, that was what Jesus said. Don't read what he did not say. He did not say those who have not stolen. What he said, all you men that have brought her, please, any one of you that has not committed adultery, throw the first stone. And do you know what happened? None of them could. You know why? They were all adulterers. Did you hear the story of one, one prostitute that was killed in Lagos the other day? By two of her customers. Do you know what they call a prostitute? Why did they kill her? They said she had a Quran in a hotel room. They are Muslims. They are northern boys. They are customers. They disagreed over something. One of them said he found a Quran in her room. That why should she have a Quran in a room of sin? And they lynched her and killed her. Of course, police babbed the two of them. I don't know what the police are doing to them right now. But I want to let you know the, how the human mind works. They didn't say anything wrong with the fact that they are customers. But they felt that they are defenders of their faith. That why would this girl desecrate, desecrate our holy book by keeping it in the hotel room where she's practicing her lottery? That's human beings for you. It's the same thing those boys did. They went and caught the girl in the act of adultery and brought her to Jesus. And Jesus did not condemn her because he was looking at all of them. He said, you, you, you at the back. I saw you. Last week with this same woman. But you are here accusing her. You know, it was writing on the ground. What do you think it was writing? Their life story. <laughs> he was writing on the ground. One, one guy, there, assuming, let's look at a Hebrew name, Amos. He's Amos. I see you jump the fence two times a week into your neighbor's house. To defy his wife. That's Amos. Line number one. He looked the other guy. Barnabas. 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 That man was owing you money. You took his wife. And he could not talk because he was owing. 
Give me another name. Eh? Build that. Thank you. Build. It was writing like that. They were going one by one. Was as it was writing, they were seeing it. Once you see your name, build that. You go. Build. <laughs> you want to know why I didn't condemn her? It's in the Bible like that. He said, "Your daughters will be harlots. Your wives will be harlots." He said. He said, "But I will not punish them because the men themselves." Let's summarize. They go after prostitutes. Exactly what Jesus was practicing in the, at that time. He was not condemning her because she was under an influence that made her an adulteress. She had no choice. That is how most people in the life today are. In a country like this, people can't resist corruption. It's beyond them. It's a spiritual force. It's a spiritual force. They can't. It's in the air. You must understand. That spirit is very strong around here. It's in high places. It's in low places. I keep on, I'm, not, I'm not an APC member. I'm not working for this federal government. But please don't bother insulting this federal government. They ha- that is the head of state. He has too much. How can you be a president of sinners? And you think life will be easy. You are a president of thieves. I, I don't ever, of course, first, apart from my personal principle, if you're my head of state, you know, this mouth cannot bring forth intercession and accusation at the same time. So I choose one. I have chosen intercession. So when I'm dealing with the head of state, I've chosen intercession. All right? So that's more. But the second reason why I'm quiet is that I know the pressure these men are under. Like I told you, that somebody asked me that, hey, what do you think? What do you think of the pardon of Joshua Dari? You know Joshua Dari? You know it was pardoned by the president, our anti-corruption president. And Joshua Dariji went to jail for corruption. Remember that? So people said that why would an anti-corruption president pardon a man that was jailed for corruption if really we are fighting corruption? You know the answer I gave? I said I did not, I did not go for the state executive, what they call state, what do you call that thing? Is this federal? You know, there are two. There's federal executive, which is president and his ministers. And then there's one in which former head of state come. That's, okay, that's council of state. Which one is council of state? Which one did the pardon? The council of state. So when they asked me, what do you think? I said I did not go for the council of state meeting that day. I, I, I was late. I missed it, but everybody got my point when I said it. And so you're asking me why they pardoned the man? In a meeting I did not attend, you cannot comment on what you don't understand. Until you hear both sides, hear the argument for and against. Why do you just assume those who are in power are idiots and you are the only wise one? Please, I need to digress more because I need people to grow up, okay? I can't have conversation with most people. They are too. I told myself I won't be using bad, bad words. They are too ignorantically ignorant. They are too empty. You can't have a conversation. Listen, just by the way. Okay. You know, they say, uh, they, they that some old men are chasing young girls. You know what, what worries me? I say, what do you talk about? I don't know whether you're getting my point. How can I be chasing somebody that we can't think the same way? We're talking about um, infrastructural development and next government. You are discussing Kim Kardashian. How can we... <laughs> do you know... I want to have a conversation with you. You are discussing Big Brother Niger. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Please, I 
please, by the way, if you want people to enjoy your company, go and fill your head with knowledge. That's what I tell my children. Please read. Read. Be informed. Amongst your friends, analyze politics. Let them open their jaws. When they want to say some things, give them words. Give them information. They will keep quiet. That's just by the way. Please, stop talking about what you don't know. And you'll be talking vehemently. No. In this country, what we need right now, what we do right now. And you're looking at this fellow. All the tax he has paid in six years is like 6000 naira, which, which they took for him by force. Those internet revenue people, they had to lock his shop before he parted with uh, business premises, before he parted with 6000 naira. And he's commenting when we're discussing hundreds of billions. And you're looking at him, what's wrong with you? All your total turnover last year in that your baba's shop, how much was it? And we're discussing serious money here, and you're talking. I'm not saying you shouldn't come, but oh, listen. You're telling me that Dankose is a thief. Of course not. To you, every rich man is a thief. You're too poor. You know, you know it's, it's painful when you see adults talk. And you say, what they are talking about, they don't even know. Why don't you go and ask questions? How did I get there? I know that one. No, no. There's something else I was saying before I got to this point. Commentary on some things. <laughs> Let me start again from the beginning. <laughs> now, please, I'm going to emphasize something, okay? Let, let's get back to the issue. So, in life, okay, people are under pressure. I was talking about the president, yes, and that's what I was saying. The president, as an example, okay? Many of the things he's doing, you don't know why he does them. You can have your desires, but please don't criticize specific actions when you don't know in the, the things that went into it. When they say, why was Joshua Darye pardoned? I said to everybody, I have no idea. You don't know what they discussed at that meeting. Let me ask, if I were to give you an, an example. If they say that, okay, by pardoning him, all the crisis in the state will end. Everybody will pardon him. Because that's a place where they kill people every week in communal clashes. You know, headsmen, farmer, in inter... inter ethnic, all those kind of things. You don't know the details. Like I said, that just by the way. But let's talk about sin. I'm talking about sin. So generally, people are under pressure. There's something in the air that's forcing them to do what is wrong. That young girl could not help it. She was not an adulteress because she wanted to be. She was an adulteress because all the men, all her mentors, her husband was an adulterer. Oh, her father. (laughs) One day, we were one meeting that um, I wasn't there. My wife went there that day. When she, she came and gave me Jesus about meeting, <laughs> I said, my God. So one girl got up and spoke. I said, what are they? You know, people were talking about precious family. And one girl got up and said, what are you talking about? That's a young girl. She used to see her mother bring men to their house. How do you expect her to grow? You remember this, what I'm telling you? The they had a meeting. She said it openly in front of everybody. As a young lady, she will see her, her, her mother. You know, men womanize, right? What do women do? They manize, yes. Her mother was a manizer. And the woman would bring her boyfriends to their house. You think that girl will grow up with a normal mind? Your sense of morality is not her sense of morality. Because you have to understand that parents represent God to children. Anything parents do, God does it. So God cannot say that shall not commit adultery. That cannot commit communication. Why? God, you are doing it too now. 
Why? Because mommy is God as far as she's concerned. That's what the Bible means when it says that the old man is in bondage to sin. Sin is, a, is bondage. You know, there's something one of my brothers used to say. He said, because you are free, you don't know what God has done for you. I'm not saying you should try it though. I wish we could just give you addiction to small Igbo. Ordinary Igbo. You know what they call Indian help? Addiction for just one week. You know that those things are addictive. They bind people. And Indian help is one of the mildest. If you want to see addiction, try heroin and fentanyl. Those ones, they take control. Say, heroin will wake you up. Get up. You will hear, yes, sir. Go and buy small. You will go. Say, but there's no money. He tell you to remove your trousers and sell. I said, remember one pastor. Let me just mention his name again. He wants to give his testimony. He said, his was even cocaine. Cocaine is not as bad as heroin. But he went. He wanted to collect cocaine. He didn't have money. So the guy said, but you are wearing a designer suit. He said, he removed my Hugo Boss jacket. The guy removed his Hugo, his Hugo Boss jacket. The guy gave it to him to give him cocaine. Said so the guy took a piece of singlet T-shirt from the floor. He said the thing stank to high heavens. He said I could feel the stench on my skin. So that's what he gave him to wear back home. After removing his Hugo Boss jacket, of course, with his shirt, he just look for one thing. The take. This is a man whose father is a former attorney general of the estate. You're talking about bondage. Kyle De Pella said, when drugs finish with him, hmm? <laughs> he tried to sell his own house. He said nobody agreed to buy. Why? They came price the house. They liked it. The price they gave them was fantastic. They, wanted, they had the money. Where are the documents? He didn't know where he kept them. He told them, go around the neighborhood. Everybody knows me. That is my house. <laughs> they said, that's not how we buy houses. Finally, they took their money and left. He said, my brethren, I will climb the roof, remove roofing sheets, and carry to the market. Did you hear what I said? Yes, Let's not talk about, you know, he has sold the toilet inside. <laughs> of course, now the, the furniture, the, the other things, television, they, they went long ago. Everything went long ago. He was dismantling a standing building bit by bit. Of course, you know how much they would buy roofing sheets of those days with holes in it? Not, nothing. They would buy it for next to nothing. But he was okay with it. That's what drugs do to people. You know, some, when they are serving Jesus, they have a story to tell. You that give your life to Christ at the age of 12. Continue following the Lord. Your story is not plenty. Some people were, like according to God, God to save them, God said, give me my gloves. Why? They are inside the gutter. The gutter is too dead to bring them out. That's what one, one comedian said. He said, to save some of us, God had to wear hand gloves. He said, isn't that so with it? No, I'm telling you Kyle De Pella's story. What delivered him? He went to hospital. He tricked his mother to collect money from the mother. He went and said he needed surgery. Yeah, he needed surgery, but it was not an emergency. He had a hernia, which he had had for a long time. But he told the mother that he's having problems. The mother said, okay, let's go. He wanted to collect money. Give me money for surgery. That, that was the idea. But the mother said, instead of me, I know if I give you this money, you won't do the surgery. So the mother followed him to the hospital, took him to the hospital. Okay, you will do the surgery here. I will pay directly to the doctor. 
So now to the mother that, but that the mother, he knows that she knows that he can't stay in hospital unless he gets his uh, drugs. So the mother went to where they sell drugs, bought supplies to last while he'll be in hospital. Yes. So he followed the drugs to the hospital. Not, 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 not anything. My mama get cocaine for pocket. Hey, let's go. He follow, I'm telling you, he followed the mother to the hospital because they looked the bag. Now, something inside that bag. So the mother used to give him every day. So, so one day, the doctor was looking at him. The doctor went, you know, came to see him. He was rapping, you know, trying to smoke stuff. I don't know exactly what he was using that time. But it wasn't Indian him. I'm talking about either heroin or cocaine, something like that. So while he was trying to say, the doctor sat there. So the doctor, please, whether the doctor can come back to him. The doctor said, no, I'm going to stay here. So brother, his stuff, rolled everything, was you know, taking his drugs. The doctor was looking at him. So even that he was trying to turn away so that no fume would get into the doctor. The doctor just sat there looking at him. The guy was a Christian. The guy came to preach that, that today you are getting delivered. He allowed him to inhale his drugs. Finished. Now brother, the Bible. And started preaching to him. That was when he gave his life to Christ. God de- delivered him from drug addiction like this. People like that, when they are serving God, you know, you give your life to Christ at 12, you don't understand. The only thing you have to repent of was lying. I will not take money from my mother's uh, purse again. And please keep it like that. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, you don't want to go the other path. You don't want to. You don't want to. People are in bondage to sin. When you are looking at unbelievers, not just the vex. Do you get my point? Sometimes have what? Pity. Pity. When you present Jesus to people, it's deliverance. It's like your life does not have to be like this. There's a book I read long ago. I can't remember the name of the author, but if you can find the book, the beautiful book to read. It's titled, Please Love Me. I can't remember the name of the author. It's a woman. It's titled, Please Love Me. It, that was one of the thing, first things that gave me insight into what life is about. If you, if you had met that girl, you'd have said, useless girl, nonsense girl. But what was inside her heart? She was crying. Somebody love me, please. Like I said, many of the some people don't understand. Many of the things you take for granted. Some people have never felt it. Dropped, you know, <laughs> you know, I dropped my daughter for exam this morning. Last thing she saw when it was, I said, come over. I lay hands on her. Prayed for her there. You understand? And she walked into an exam hall. One boy held the gate for me. <laughs> you understand? I, want, I didn't want to drive, but I thought I wanted to drive it. So he held the gate for me to drive it. So I said, well, no. But well, since you have opened it, you have to be the one to close it as I dri- drive out. So he stood there. When I finished blessing my daughter, I just called him, you come. You are writing this exam? He said, yes, sir. Come. So I put the hand on him for a second. And I prophesied on him for like a minute. I don't know whether they blessed him that morning. Some people have never experienced it. For their father to hug them and say, you are beautiful. They've never heard it. So, they, see, the way they are misbehaving, they're not trying to be wicked. They don't know any other thing. They can't react to life any other way. So, when you are preaching the gospel to them, know what you are saying. You are saying you have a father who loves you. Who is inviting you back home. You don't have to run from one place to the other. It's not necessary. This father loves you. That's what the gospel is about. I know where I'm going to all of this. I just like, you know, when we are teaching, we have to say many things to help people understand. But this is the point I'm making. When Jesus came, when he breathed into us, <sighs> receive Holy Spirit. 
Receive new life. You know what he's saying? Listen to what he said. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Did I hear an amen to that? Amen. What did he say? Sin shall not have dominion over you. Amen. For Christians, sin is temptation. For unbelievers, sin is bondage. There's a word of difference. For a believer, sin is what? It's a sign that doesn't have dominion. He has to tempt. For the unbeliever, it is what? Bondage. Listen, it's a matter of time. Can I just say, please, don't marry an unbeliever. If you are a single man, single woman, please, I beg you in the name of the Lord, do not marry an unbeliever. You are begging for problems. It is better you are single. That's what the Bible says. It is better to be single. That's what the Bible says, though. Don't let society put you under unnecessary pressure at your age. There's nothing like that. A single happy woman is 100 times better than a frustrated married woman. After all, whether you're married or not, you need God as a husband. I'm an assistant husband. I hope you get my point. My wife's real husband is her father in heaven. That's the real husband. And all of us have that one. So don't come and spoil the work of the father in heaven who is taking good care of you. You know what I'm saying so? Like one man said, if you marry an unbeliever, the devil is your father-in-law. And that thing is not a joke. You, you, you have a witch as mother-in-law, you are complaining. What about when you have Jezebel as mother-in-law? That's Bazebob, Ashtoreth. Give me another female deity they used to worship those days. What name of that? Um, uh, that one that uh, of the Diana. When you have Diana as your mother-in-law, you know what it means. You just wake up at night, you pull your wife's head like this. Boom! She just carry a knife and shook you. What happened? I don't know. The devil has possessed her. Do not marry an unbeliever. Do you know why? Because sin is not a temptation to an unbeliever; it's bondage. But a Christian is temptation. That's why God sees it as a choice. You can say no. A believer can say no to iniquity. They can say no. It is possible. Like I said, listen, remember that our, they call them feral, feral kid. Remember that feral kid, that, one, that little boy raised by baboons? I was talking about. A lot of us, even though we are Christ human, do you get my point? Homo sapiens, what? Homo sapiens Christus. Even though we have the seed of Christ in us, we are being raised by baboons. So we are behaving like baboons, that is unbelievers. We are behaving like normal people. They tell us that we need money. Please, I need to go over that again. You have an assignment in life to develop that life of Christ in you. Last time I gave two examples. I sat on one. How does Homo sapiens Christus prosper in life? There are three principles. What is it? What are they? Number one, faithful in little, faithful in money, and faithfulness in that which belongs to another person. I talked about it again last time, just to give us an example how we activate the life of Christ that is in us. If that life is not activated, they will think we are normal people. They will think we are just like them. Please, let me just beg you. Live your Christ life in such a manner that unbelievers will know that you, that, that guy is not normal. I told you, just to give an example. This is a very interesting example. I was heading a particular a commercialized unit in, the, in my place of work those days. So a few years ago. I needed a man to do a job for us. 
I mean, this job was okay for the price I was offering him. He refused. He quoted a higher price. I can't remember the exact sum. Now. Let me not quote anything specific. We argued for a long time. We argued for a long time. Until he decided to leave my office. When he was going out. Something some just struck me. Yes, I, rem- I think I asked. I offered to pay him $1.5 million, If I remember well. He insisted on $1.8. I, I knew at $1.5 we were being generous. I only offered that because of the pressure we're under. I said, don't worry, I'll go to the chief executive, you approve the money. He said 1.8. I said, no, 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 no. This guy has been unreasonable. And he said he's leaving. As he was walking out of my office, something hit me. I called him back. I said, excuse me. I hope you are aware you are not giving me a dime. Now, this I'm talking about it. Do you know it shocked him? He said, he looked at me like, what? I said, oh, was that the problem? The guy had factored in 300000 for the boss. It was me. I said, I hope you are aware. You're not going to give me a dime. You know what he said? Which one is your church? Now, that's why I, that's why I told the story. He said, which one is your church? I said, no, it's not about the church I attend. I'm a believer. I'm a, I'm a Christian, okay? This is my job. I'm not allowed to take a kickback or anything from you. On the spot. He said, okay. If I'm correct with the figure, I may miss the figure a bit. He said, okay, 1.5. I take so I said, oh, if I make so all this quarter will be having all this wire. She if I just tell me, say, oh, guys, see, this one is your portion. I'll have told you that, look, there's no need for my portion. He didn't say anything. I think it was the only thing I just, I still remember he was going, I just said, come, sir, I hope you know you're not supposed to give me a die. That same season, there was a lady that was in my committee, still saw her recently, was our procurement officer. One day she called me. Doc, doc, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where am I? I'm, are you in the office? No, I'm not. Oh, she was on that oh, next day. She finally located me, found me. So what is it? Why, like this pursued me up and down the last 20, 24, 48 hours. He said, ha, ah, you didn't tell us. My mind, tell you what? She said she went to Oka, saw a book with her friend. The book is a By Faith Acquire Life. So that one said, gave it to her. I think it's By Faith Acquire Life. One of our books anyway. She collected from that person. And flipped over. If you check, some of our books have my picture at the back. Then she looked behind and saw the author. What? This man is the author of this book? She was surprised. So I said she was calling me frantically. I need to see, I need to see. You see me? She now made a statement, which I can never forget. She said, No wonder you are different. That is just, I give God the glory. She said, No wonder. Now, this is where I'm going. He said, no wonder you are different. You know, because this is Eastern Nigeria, right? Most people who work in my office, 99%, 99.9% are Igbos, all right? Yeah, Eastern Nigeria, from Eastern Nigeria. So she would have said that, oh, her interpretation for my difference would have been, I'm not from here, I'm from this other part of Nigeria. But that day when she saw, oh, you're a preacher of automatic, you're a Christian. I say, I say, oh, no wonder you are different. I was left to go and be imagining how I was different because I've checked the mirror. I got one nose like everybody else. I got two eyes. I got two ears like everybody else. But I understood at least two of the reasons why I was different. I understood two of the reasons. One, we, did, we handle money all the time. We handle money all the time. One, one, one of the men, one of our, our auditors, 
I went to retire some money. He, I said, look, they didn't tell me they to do this and all of He said, no, please, just go and see them. He said, they know you. You won't have any problem. He said, no, go yourself. He said, once they see you, once they recognize it is you that's handling this documentation, they will, they will sign everything. They will know that there's no problem. I give up. I'm not bragging, you know. It's because now I'm preaching. Start time. I didn't come to your house. I'm better than you. I don't know. <laughs> this because I'm preaching. Listen, the life of Christ we have. That's, and let me quickly say something. Please go and read my book, Worship and Sex Control. The truth is that when Jesus breathed in us as believers, he gave us the ability to resist sin. For us, sin is not bondage. Sin is temptation. One major reason Christians can't resist, or when they fail to resist, is because they resisted late. Do you hear what I said? Let's do the particular scripture. I want to explain something here. Please, my teaching is on the fact that we reign through righteousness. My teaching is on the fact that we do what? We reign Say it loud. We reign so when Jesus gave us the power to reign, he didn't just give us authority. The first place he gave us authority to reign was to reign over sin. He says, sin will no longer have dominion over you. Sin will no longer have dominion over you. Sin will no longer have dominion over you. It's so important. Because anyone that sin has dominion over cannot reign in life. Righteousness gives you the power to reign. First thing it does, I told you, I explained earlier, righteousness takes us into the presence of God. We can behold his face. We are transformed. That woman, after that day, Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. In fact, she have finished her story. I didn't finish. He said, what's the next thing he said? Was it a word of advice? It was a word of what? Empowerment. What was he saying? Now you have beheld me face to face. Now you have interacted with me. Now, by these words, I pronounce the ability to resist sin. The ability to overcome into you. He said, go and sin no more. And the spirit entered into her and made her free from sin. I hope you are getting my point here. After that day, you know what Jesus was saying? If you commit adultery, it's not their fault. Once you meet Jesus, if you still go back, it's not the society's fault. Again, can I quickly say this? If you are a believer, always, you know, you know what Jesus said? Abide in me. What did he say? Say it loud. Now, why will he say abide in me if you can't stroll away from me? Be very careful as Christians that you don't stroll away from him. Because Satan understands something. If he wants to get you, he doesn't have the kind of power people think he has. He has to tempt you and make you fall for his temptation. Now, he can't tempt you successfully if you are using the strength that God gives you. So, first thing he does is to cut you off from that strength. So amongst the first things he does is to separate you from brethren. So then he gives you prosperity so you can't come to church. It's a trick. You have to understand it's a trick. Your best business appointments are the times you come for fellowship to hear the word. He clouds you with pressure. It is not, people think that eh, I can go tomorrow. You don't understand. It's stylish. It's weakening you bit by bit. If you fall for one, you are weaker next time. So after you have fallen for, now all you are falling for is missing fellowship. Brethren are gathered, you are not there. They're interacting with the word of God, you don't have time. When brethren say, come, let us gather and study the word and pray. You have gone to watch a match. 
If you do that three times, now this is how temptation and righteous standing is. The more you stand for righteousness, the stronger you are next time there's a demand. The more you fall for the light temptations, the light temptations, the stronger the temptation is against you next time. The weaker you are. So God has given us something. The ability to stand small, small pressures. I want to by small pressures. The businessman is arriving this morning by 8. He says, sorry. 8 o'clock, I will be studying scripture. He said he wants to travel by 10. Tell him we'll talk on the phone. He said he will not agree to talk on the phone. Tell him I'm sorry. You have one one. You know what I'm saying so? Please, I'm not talking because I want people to gather in my presence. That's not the point. The point is that I want you to understand that is that constant infusion of the spirit of God, which comes as you gather where the word of God is, that strengthens you against temptation. And when Satan wants to cripple your ability to resist, that's where he starts. He cuts you off from the flow of the spirit. And once he has done that, then eventually you fall for the temptation. And once you start falling, especially if you were strong before, God says, uh, Moses, I beg, don't embarrass somebody. Come, it is enough. That's what happened to Moses. I hope you're getting my point here. What, what does it we should read? I didn't mention it. Are you sure? Okay, I remember what I wanted to say. James chapter 1. I was talking about Christians falling for temptation. Do you remember that? From verse 13. He said, let no one say when he's tempted... I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone. That is with evil. Anytime God tempts people, it's with righteousness. The Bible says that God tested or tempted Abraham. Was to prove Abraham. That he had learned the things that he taught him. It was to prove Abraham. He said, verse 14, says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, what happens? It gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. What do I mean by this? Listen. The reason why people fall for sin is what I want to explain. It's in that book, Worship and Self-Control. Now, if a woman is in labor, if a woman is pregnant and the pregnancy has grown, there is nothing you can do that baby must come out. Do you get my point? The baby must be born. You see, what if the baby dies, it must still be born. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, what was this saying? Once lust has conceived, it brings forth what? Sin. This is the problem. Many people, they feel they have not yet sinned until they have done the physical act. So they spend time conceiving sin. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Then when, they have conce- when sin has now been conceived, then they want to resist the birth of sin. And it's impossible. It will not be as if God was lying when he said, no temptation has come upon you apart from that which is common to man. And that with every temptation, God has given a way of what? Escape. It now appears as if what God was saying is not true. Why? Because God says, this, assume it, please, allow me. We are going, this is, this line is where sin will be. Do you understand? This is the road heading for sin. God said, this is the way of escape. The person passes then this is where sin is. When, he's about to, when he sees the sin, he wants to escape. Meanwhile, he has passed what? The way of escape. God gave the way of escape. They omitted it. There are jobs that you are given. You say, when we get there, we will not do anything bad. God said, wait, don't take it. Your way of escape is, don't take it. Once you enter, 
you have passed the way of escape. That is one major reason Christians fall for sin. Usually what happens is that they like the thing that's enticing. You are a young lady. A man, a married man is showing you attention. Attention is sweet to Ah, if attention is not sweet to you, they have not shown you before. Attention, even me as a man like this, no, it's not sweet to me again, Sha. <laughs> My attention receptors are occupied. I'm too busy. Don't show me attention. You can show me attention. I don't have a problem. Just don't call me. <laughs> if your attention is just be sending me $1,000 here, $2,000, I like that kind of attention. Just don't call me. <laughs> I'm too busy. <laughs> I don't want to stay on the phone. But I'm just trying to say that, especially for a young person, attention is nice. I hope you're getting my point. Attention. There was one particular woman we knew some time ago. The guy she wanted to marry. Everybody told her, this guy is a son of Belial. This is Hophni and Phineas in one body. Passed by the spirit of Ahab. Who dines with Judas and worships Beelzebub? They told her, you know what she said? Now that she has opportunity to be happy, they don't want her to be happy. That was what she said. See, you know what the guy did? Now, you know, were you here last time when I was talking about when a much older person is chasing a much younger person? That they are only very fraudulent. And if you are in that situation, tell the guy, go and chase my pastor, go and chase my father. These are people who know, they know. They too, they get experience. We know how to test you. Do you get my point? That's what I'm saying. But she didn't do that. What, what that the guy used to do, those early days when phones were not too common, he bought her one. Just, he wake up in the morning, he has sent her credit. Just, you know, top up. Bam. <laughs> you know I love you. Capability. <laughs> Nonsense attention. She married him. And the marriage lasted, I think, nine months. As soon as she delivered. Have you ever seen a man whose wife delivered? They said, carry your baby. And I said, no, I don't know how to carry babies. He married her, was chasing women all over town. Everybody was now trying not to do, I told you. What am I going to say? Usually where people fall for the temptation is simple. It's that place of attention. Don't enjoy it. Don't enjoy the attention as from a married man. Just simple. If he gives you money, give it back to him. Transfer to your account. Transfer it back to him. If he gives you credit, transfer back to him. By the time you do that five times, he knows you don't. Now, the attention will be sweet. But that, you see, that is where you resist. That's the point I'm making. Do you know it's easier to resist at that point in time? Because if you, are, if you don't resist recharge card, you don't resist 5,000 error alert, when they buy you a ticket to go to Europe, you will say, no, I will stay in another room. <laughs> All these people will, will not go with you to the airport. You just deploy two angels to make sure they don't kill you and harvest your kidneys. That's the only thing will do for you. Then when you bring your rotten self back, you carry you go and dump in the pool of blood where you will stay for like, eh? That blood of Jesus. They will wash you, wash you. They use hard brush. When they finish, they will have scarred your body. Say that's all we needed to remove the foolishness from your soul. Do you get my logic? Resisting is not, ah, I won't sleep with a man. I won't take his money. That's really easy. The problem, people pass the way of escape. They've crossed it. They've now reached the dead end when there is no escape. They say, God was not faithful to me. Listen, for Christians, walking in righteousness is possible. 
If you make up your mind, look, let me tell you how. This thing just hit me. God punish bad doctrine in Jesus' name. Amen. God punish wrong doctrines in Jesus' name. Amen. You know what I have found out? If you teach the right doctrines to true believers, they will walk straight like a pole. So, please read my book, Worship and Sense Control. I speak some of these things inside there. So, they start undermining truth. And I said, when we were in school, they taught us some of very foolish things. We believe some of them. That God does not look on the outside. He looks on the inside. So, it doesn't matter what you look like outside. The new man in Christ Jesus. So, you see girls come to fellowship with bomb shots. They say, it's your eye that has a problem. You see a woman dressed, a Christian, and you don't know. They saw the Bible because the attire of a harlot. Christian girls wear attire of harlots. And I one day I went to one church. And then we go here. When I reach there, maybe I park outside. This cat came. One girl came down. Or more. I had to look. Say, is it the church or nightclub? Jesus is Lord. Apostle. This girl wear black. Shining, wrapped cloth. Wrap her body. Every cob was wrapped. You reach here like this. Come, come down. They shake. <laughs> hey, look. Now, sure she come. You know, church, we have lost shame. You say that eh, you can come the way you are. And you still stay the way you are. See, the first day you come, come the way you are. I don't have a problem. But when you enter and you see us the way we are, Next time you can't come back like that. Pastors will now mount the pulpit and be lying to young people. The righteousness in your heart. Praise God. Anyone looking outside, he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. You know about your friend? That's your friend now. The evangelist. Evangelist said that if you see. If you see anything apart from the Holy Spirit, if you see anything apart from righteousness and holiness in him, it's because you don't have the Holy Ghost. The guy is committing adultery and fornication and whatever else a man can commit. And he's telling people that it's because they don't have the Holy Spirit. Tell that guy he's going to go to hellfire. That guy has thought about his matter. He's going to hell. Unless he repents. I have found out what cripples believers is wrong doctrines. You know, I found out most young people just tell them the truth. They will do it. Yes. See, I traveled to the north once in a while. I discussed with my wife. You should come. You know, just go to the northern airport and sit down there and see these northern women, girls, walk up and down. They are as beautiful as beautiful can be. Yeah, they are well covered. And I don't mean the ones that have hijab and everything. They just dress normally. They just wear their colorful print. You understand? They, they, they are very good with jewelry. They put on their makeup, put on their jewelry. Every part of them is well covered. And then when they walk past you, your head will turn to see a beautiful woman walking past. They not like to us. When you not get down here, see all these billboards you see all over Enugu. They can't paste it anywhere beyond Abuja. These same people that advertise locks, joy, um, all those things with, with uh, half naked women. I've been I, at least I go to Sokoto regularly. Now I go to Meduguri. I've been to a number of those places, even Kaduna. You won't see one of those billboards. The same company. The same company. When they go up north, you will not see one beautiful hajia will throw her scarf like this and give you the godly smile that God said women should have. And he's selling the same soap. So why are you using breasts to sell it to us here? God punish you. 
punish your company? May your, may your product not sell. Amen. Some of them, you don't even know what they are selling. All you can remember is the nude picture where they put there. Like, one of you were telling their daddy that they put sign, car wash. The last time I drove past there, and I said, okay, no one I did not know. Because not only the girl where I said, I don't see the car wash. <laughs> Research has been done that when you do adverts like that, People see this seductive image, they don't connect what they are selling. Man, they are so, when the man is passing, you think when he looks, he'll be looking at what they are selling. No. Now that woman in the look, you know men can look. It's as if look is a problem. It's an iniquity of homo sapiens, Adamus. <laughs> the Lord is good. What am I going to say? Wrong doctrine, I found out, is the reason why Christians walk in sin. I've seen people preach. Say, listen, go there, steal from them, and use to preach the gospel. You know, once you say that, the spirit of stealing is released upon the church. The people who are standing before, resisting the sin, resisting stealing, suddenly they lose the ability. Except they leave that church, they, they will steal. I heard the pastor say that, say I said it. Go there, steal from them and help the poor. Be a Robin Hood. I've seen people preach. Sponsor a candidate so that you Christians can collect the contracts. It is corruption. Now, this is what I'm going. Once you preach sin to Christians, they can't work in righteousness. Listen, let me tell you the truth. Eh? God, he has been patient for a long time. He's going to start judging this pulpit. Every pastor does not care for what he preaches. God will so remove you. He has to because of his children. You can't come to church and be telling Christians, you have to make your money. If you say that these boys will steal, these girls will become harlots. Tell them the truth. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Tell them, beware of covetousness. Tell them, you cannot save God and mammon. Tell them, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and suffers the loss of his soul? Tell them, physical poverty means nothing when compared with the eternal weight of glory. Tell them that people can suffer for the sake of righteousness. Tell young people. You know what I found out? If you tell them that, they will walk by it. If you tell them that, they will walk by it. Why do you find Christians these days who can't resist sin? It is simply because they have been lied to. So that spirit that God put inside them is now dormant. The spirit of Christ so, because number one thing Jesus does, because you see, listen, sin separates people from the Father. Born again or not, if you commit sin, you are separated. So the spirit of righteousness makes sure you are never separated. Why? Two things. Number one, it gives you knowledge of what to do. Because God judges you by the amount of knowledge you're supposed to have by time. Number two, the intercessory power of Jesus Christ covers for your ignorance. As long as as long as you keep on purifying yourself because of the hope of eternal salvation that you have. 
Please, I hope you are getting my point. It's only when you are walking in righteousness that you reign. It's only when you are walking in righteousness that you reign. If you want to have control over money in this life, hmm, the first thing God does is to make sure that money is to make sure that money has no power over you. See, God will not give you control over finances until you can say like Paul, I'm able to bear poverty and I'm able to bear abundance. Until you can say like Paul, that none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life as dear unto myself. Until you can say like Paul, that listen, I have coveted nobody's goods. God will not give you the power over finances. What I found about Christians, eh? Ha. <laughs> You want to be effective for God in life? Eh? Remove your life. You remove the connection between your work for God and money. You know one of the things I've learned as a preacher? If you want to be effective in ministry, hmm? just cut off ministry and money. That is like, don't tie it together. I have found that for many people, where they are most effective in life for God is where they get least amount of money from. I've seen it with me. I've seen it with my wife. I've seen it with many people. Why do they continue? Because this is where impact is. They are saving God. Let me drop this one for you and then I close. If you want anything in life, I've said it before, what do you do? Ask. Don't serve mammon. What does it mean to serve mammon? Whatever you are doing, there's no money in it, you will not do it. You are not activating the spirit of Christ in you. If it's only what you will get for what you do that is pushing you, the spirit of Christ is being shut down in your life. I dare everybody to make sure, check your life. Say, what am I doing? I don't care whether I get paid or I don't get paid. And I pray for everyone that, listen, you will get to please, even the secular job you do. Whether you get paid. See, all this man is making. I just laugh. Let me see, please, I'm not here to talk politics, whether they should pay us to eight months' salary for not working or not. What I tell any, every lecturer is this. If you don't love research, if you don't love imparting knowledge to young people more than you love salary, God can bless you. Just don't forget what I said. Any work you are doing, please love it. Love it. Love the thing. If, it's, if they don't have, like, that's why I said, Christians, it's people say that, can, can we work in tobacco company? No. Unless you are working there so that you help people not to smoke, and which you know is not possible. You asked me before that you can a Christian work in a tobacco, a cigarette producing company. I said, if your father smokes, will you be happy? No. If your mother smokes, will you be happy? No. If your brother smokes, will you be happy? No. Will you like, are you likely to smoke? No. Listen, if you sell cigarettes to other people, all your children will, will smoke it. You know me, I have to preach to Christians. You can't be selling what you don't believe anybody should consume. Just because they are paying you. Remember one, one particular Nigerian, one, one tobacco company in Nigeria, when they launched those days, those days, or more. If you see what they were paying people, they employ young boys, young girls, as you arrive, like they first give you one brand new small moto. Yes. Then they can't give you big money. They now say, here is the cigarette. Come and sell it and destroy people's lives for us. Make them addicts. 
Let them smell. Destroy their lungs. I told you before, there are four types of lung cancers. Three of them are found only in smokers. Kidney cancer is more than double in those that smoke compared to those who don't smoke. Bladder cancer is the same thing. Mouth cancer is the same thing. Maybe more than five times, ten times. Lung cancer is number one. If you don't smoke, you don't get it. So why will I sell it to you? So those days, when they sold all of that, you know what? They, give, they, they bought the conscience of people. We'll give you a brand new We'll give you plenty of money. As a matter of fact, I should resign my job. If you are selling poison, please do. What will I be doing? Who cares? Do I look like your God? Go and ask him. Because if they can't buy your soul with money, you'll be amazed at the amount of sin you can resist. And let me tell you something about sin. Once he opens a door into your life, that door is for Satan. One demon will come in. When he says your house is good, you go and ask other demons. Anybody homeless, I have space. Then one day you come to church, you drive them out, and we say thank God. But you don't continue in the word. Then when they are coming back again, they multiply by seven because they don't want to be driven out easily next time. What am I going to say? When you start with the love of money, very soon adultery is your personal friend. Lying. Lying is number one. So before adultery comes, you don't become lie. You begin lying. Next thing, you run away from brethren. Every Bible study day, you are busy. You have an appointment. You are tired. It's a demon of distraction. It's not living in your ears and your eyes. What are they trying to do? They want to ensure that the image of Christ will never be found in you. Let me end my message here. If Christians want to reign, there's only one way to reign. How is that? How is it? And I'm not just talking about righteousness that you have because you're a believer. I'm talking about righteousness that's produced because you have the fundamental righteousness of a right relationship with God the Father. But the Spirit of Christ starts working in you and it starts producing righteous works. That is what confers authority over you. A time will come, listen to me, you will just kneel down and say, Lord, I think we need a billion dollars to move these things forward. Within five weeks, God has arranged it. Somebody said, we need investors, investors, loans. That's a billion dollars has come to you. I know the funny thing. You won't even change your car. Why? You ask for a billion to move something forward. Authority comes to those who are walking in righteousness. Bow down your head and say, Lord, thank you for truth. The Lord is good. I say the Lord is good. All right, we are leaving now. Before we go, okay, we are going to share the grace as usual. Before that, let me just pray over you. It's well with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Goodness and mercy will go with you in the name of Jesus. Amen. No evil will befall you. Amen. And no plague will come near your dwelling place. Amen. God will deliver you from all the dark places that are filled with the habitations of cruelty. Amen. The kidnapper will kidnap himself. Amen. They will fall into the ditch that they dug. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The rod of the wicked will not rest upon your own lot. In the name of Jesus Christ. The land that is yours, evil men will not take it. The health that God has given you, you will not lose it. You will not run helter-skelter looking for prosperity. But God will make all grace abound towards you. You will have all sufficiency in all things. And where you are now, you will abound there to every good work. In the name of Jesus Christ. I feel the authority of God this morning to call supplies to come to you in the name of Jesus. 
I speak to supernatural supply. Come to this one in Jesus' name. Ravens, bear their bread in the name of Jesus. Heaven, rain manna for them in Jesus' name. Rock, bring forth water for them to drink in the name of Jesus. No matter how dry your surrounding may look like, yet you will have abundant supplies in Jesus' name. I pray for that child. Be well in the name of Jesus. I want a father, a mother to claim that for his child. It is well with that child in the name of Jesus. Jesus died to set us free. Remember, every affliction is oppression in the life of the person who has been forgiven. Because you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you have been forgiven. And we declare every affliction oppression. Therefore, that oppression is broken now in Jesus' name. Yeah, that's what the name of Jesus does. It breaks oppression. So as we lift up that name, every oppression will break. Amen. Everybody, you know what you are going to do? Three times you just, just say, you don't have to shout it. Just say it. Three times. One, two, let's go. Jesus. Jesus. Another one. Jesus. Another one. Jesus. Now the mention of that name, every knee is bowing. Amen. Every knee of oppression bows. Amen. I speak to dead kidneys. Wake up in Jesus' name. Amen. I speak to that brain. Wake up in the name of Jesus. Receive life from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. In the name of Jesus Christ. A door that's about to open for somebody that's going to lead him into trouble. We close that door in Jesus' name. So every disappointment this week, laugh over it because it's a blessing. Did you hear what I said? Every disappointment this week, what do you do? Don't command the door to open. We closed it. We closed it to save you from trouble. It looks like big money. Don't worry. That's how traps are like. Traps will attract you. They will look good, but it's still a trap. You are delivered from every trap in the name of Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord thanks once again. For a few seconds, just say, Lord, I thank you. Now, let's share the grace in fellowship. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Quickly bless the people around you. Say this is your season. This is season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Two to go. The last one. Of the Spirit and of the now one for yourself. This is my season. The Spirit and the power of God. All right. God bless you. See you on Tuesday.